0: The beginning of the game was really special for me, you know, walking the team down the tunnel, being the head football coach at Duke. So Coleman with a run of 20 and a first down for the Blue Devils. Leonard on the move. Looping it, caught, and this is Moore.
1: First touch of the night for Moore. 15, 10, track down at the one by McMurray.
2: Off the 39. Leonard looking, going to take the shot. This is Higgins,
3: caught in stride. Touchdown, Duke.
4: Poured it in right over the top of Elijah Clark to Samir Higgins. But today, it's all about the excitement. <laughs> of Mike Elko getting his first win of his career. Congratulations to the new Duke head man. Yep. And he does it convincingly. 30 to nothing, the final.
3: All the hard work that we did these last eight months really paid off tonight, so it's and it's a huge relief to know that, you know, you worked that hard and, you know, it actually does pay off. So.
2: Welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, Scott Medlin, and our producer, Justin Sykes, and I don't think any Duke fan could have asked for a better start to the Duke football season than last Friday night when Duke took it to Temple, 30 to nothing. It was everything every Duke fan had hoped for, and we've got a lot of talk to talk about in this week's episode. We're going to talk about the Temple game. We're going to hear from Coach Elko here in a second with his thoughts right after the game. We've got Dave Innit of the Northwestern Wildcats. He'll be sitting down and talking to Jamie about this week's upcoming game. We've got another edition of This Week in Duke Football History with Scott. And of course, I'm going to bring you another tale of the tape. But before we get to our thoughts about this past Friday night's game, let's hear straight from Coach Elko himself in his first win as head coach of Duke football.
0: First of all, you know, what an amazing night to be part of the Duke Blue Devil football program. I mean, uh, amazing turnout from our student section, uh, an amazing atmosphere in that stadium um, from a starting point. Um, you know, we asked a lot of people to believe in where this program could go, uh, and it was just awesome to see the students come out like they did tonight. That's something that's really special. And if we want this program to go where we all want it to go, that's just got to continue, and, and just so happy that those guys came out to support us tonight. I thought that was awesome. Um, On the game, you know, really happy with the way we started. Um, You know, I was quietly confident going into it. I thought we had a really good week of preparation. I thought our kids were really locked in, Uh, you know, for a first time in our organization, going into a hotel and going through the whole game day weekend thing. You know, we handled it really well. And so, you know, my my biggest fear was just we would come out and we would execute, and and we did. I mean, we started really fast. Um, Credit to Riley Leonard. I mean, what an amazing start for a first-time starter. I think he completed his first 15 passes. Um, You know, a lot of guys got open, made plays. Offensive line did a great job keeping him open. Um, You know, I thought the way we started taking that first drive down the field uh, obviously gave us a lot of momentum. You know, defensively, you know, you always worry about how you're going to tackle in an opener. I thought for the most part, we tackled really well uh, for it being a first game. And and for those guys, you know, for everything that they've been through um, to come out here tonight and pitch a shutout in the opener. I mean, that was pretty special.
2: And again, that was Coach Elko giving his thoughts right after winning uh, Friday night against Temple. And fellas, let's let's talk about what we saw in the stands Friday night. I, I think I speak for all of us when I say that we were very impressed and very excited with what we saw. And that makes us uh, very excited for this upcoming game Saturday. But let's, let's talk a little bit first about the Temple game and what we like best. Jamie, we'll start with you.
4: Yeah, it was a great night, Friday night, great game. And what jumped out at me the most, just jumped right out off the page, was Riley Leonard. He had just a tremendous game. He had the what is the fourth best debut for a Duke QB ever. He was 24 for 30 for 328 yards and two touchdowns. His completions were good for 10.9 yards per pass. And that's fantastic. Anytime you get anything over 10 yards, I mean, you're you're really cooking. As far as the debuts, of fourth-best debut, he is behind only Dave Brown, who had 444 yards passing in his debut, which is amazing. That's, that's crazy good, 444 yards. Uh, Sean Renfrey, who had 350 yards in his debut, and Billy Ray, who had 341 yards in his Duke debut. Riley spread the ball around to eight different receivers. And as we saw, it really looked like him and Jordan Moore had a major connection and they, they just really were cooking and it, but he spread it to Jalen, Eli. The only thing I would have liked to have seen a little bit more was uh, getting the ball to Nikki in the tight end spot, but it is what it is. I think we'll see that as the season progresses. Riley also had 11 carries for 64 yards at a 5.8 average. He led us in rushing which normally I would think that I would say that that might not be a great thing, but his carries were really, they were within the, within the game. It wasn't like he was running for his life. The O-line did a great job protecting him. A lot of times it was just something that opened up and Riley just took off and saw where he could get eight, 10, 15 yards, you know, without, without being touched. So he made great decisions on the very few times there was pressure He stood in the pocket. He made great decisions with the ball. He was throwing with great accuracy, as we saw with his 24 for 30. I believe I read where he started the game 14 for 14, which is just amazing. Uh, So Riley was absolutely tremendous, as we thought that he might be. So that was what
2: I was most impressed with. You were off by one, Jamie. It was 15 for 15. And that was actually the third best mark for consecutive completions. He tied with Ben Bennett and Thad Lewis. That's pretty impressive for a debut for our quarterback. Right.
3: Yeah, not bad at all. I I tell you, uh, what stood out to me, I mean, first thing was just the excitement, the number of people we got to hang out with and we got to see, uh, whether it was uh, family, parents of players, uh, fans uh, starting at the – Lot there in B5, the tailgate area. I really thought Devil's Gate was really, really well done uh, by Duke football. Some of the photos uh, that we saw uh, closer to game time around Devil's Gate looks like they're going to have to add some more food trucks there because there was a whole lot more people there than were, than there were food trucks. Um, but that was really cool. Blue Devil walk went great. Um, it was really cool for many of you who came to the game that listened to our podcast. You came and introduced yourself to us. We love meeting you, and I uh, thank you so much for coming and and uh, you know saying hello, introducing yourself. Um, but there was a couple of things that I thought, uh, and, and this is not to pat ourselves on the back here, but there were some things that happened in this game uh, that we had been kind of telling you guys about uh, that we had noticed in fall camp, and so a couple of those things. First of all, was the emergence of Samir Hagens. Uh, we told you guys Samir had had a really good fall, had a really good spring as well. And you saw Samir gra- got a touchdown uh, reception. Uh, looked very, very fast um, on the field on Friday night. Another thing we told you to look for was a running back by committee. And, man, if you look at the ca- number of carries uh, between Jacquez Moore, Jalen Coleman, and Jordan Waters, uh, it is it was a true running back by committee. And, and each of those guys showed their flashes um, d- throughout that game, but a true running back by committee. And then – um, I'm not sure how much we really mentioned this on the air. Uh, I believe we did a little bit, but that was the fact that no matter what the depth chart said, Jordan Moore was going to be on the field. It doesn't matter uh, where he was listed on that wide receiver depth chart. And sure enough, they break the huddle for the very first play of the game, and your three wideouts are Eli Pankle, Jordan Waters, I mean uh, Jordan Moore, and and then Jalen Calhoun, and so. Uh, Jordan's going to be out there, and man, if he didn't look good. Uh, the, the connection, as Jamie had already mentioned, touched on with Riley, that 52-yard pass that should have been a score, uh, you know, just a, just one more yard and he'd have put that in. And then when they did score their first touchdown, man, what a unique and really cool moment that had to be. Two guys that had fought and battled one another uh, from spring ball through fall camp, and then to see them connecting on the football field like that, scoring a first touchdown – Thought oh, that was really cool, and then a couple of things that we'll just mention: uh, two players that we had mentioned uh, when people would ask us that they really hadn't uh, stood out in fall camp, and we saw it um, in playing time. And these neither one of these guys really saw the field much, uh, if at all, in the fourth quarter. Maybe, and that was Daryl Harding Jr. Uh, he had not sure what is going on uh, with him, and then Tony Davis. Everybody asked about Tony Davis. You didn't see Tony Davis until the fourth quarter. Um, and so that just kind of is what it is, but just the things we had we had noticed that actually came true, and that's really cool uh, for us to see some things and then see it come to fruition.
2: Well, and and just to go back, Josh, to your point, we did have a lot of folks in section seventeen, but not twenty five or more. Just throwing that out there. So me and Scott are still alive with that bet. Uh, but well, and, and
3: we all know you, Brian. You're the man of technicalities, and so absolutely. it's not just it's not just twenty five people that we know.
2: In the section, you've got and to listen to, to us, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll ask you point blank Do you know what we do? Do you listen to our podcast? They say, Nope, you don't count. Yeah. And even so my daughters,
3: so for instance, my daughters and wife, nope, nope, nope. Count, You're
2: so. You're trying to do a technicality by numbers. I know, know, I know, by I did it. it. Yeah, but, See, but I you, kinda, yeah, I would have counted
4: family, I would have counted everybody, like.
3: Exactly.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. So, I mean, in the coming weeks, yes, there's going to be people that just show up. Well, why are you here? Well, Scott, and, I mean, uh, Josh and Jamie told me to come. <laughs>
3: hey, there you go.
2: <laughs> but but really quick before I throw it to Scott, you know, to, to piggyback off what you were saying, Josh, it it's a good thing and I think it's a positive thing when we th- see things in spring and fall ball and they actually translate on the field. Because let's be honest, there have been times in the past, and, you know, this is our first year doing media, but there are times in the past where we hear things that have, tr- have happened in fall and spring ball, and they don't translate. But everything that we've seen, all the times we've spoken with Coach personally, and he's told us some things that they're trying out, they're doing it. They're sticking with it. And I'm looking forward to see how they look against Northwestern this weekend. Scott, what are your thoughts?
5: Well, one of the things that uh, Coach Elko mentioned today in his press conference, uh, talking about Raleigh, because I was able to ask him a question about Raleigh and getting down and trying to stretch to get more yards, and he kind of chuckled. He said that him and uh, Riley had had a conversation, and earlier in the first half he had mentioned that he wanted him to stretch to try to get a first down, and he didn't. So then he thought Riley had basically taken that for every other time he had the football. He was supposed to go and get uh, more yards or as many yards as he could. So they came to an understanding that you don't get yourself in a situation where you're going to get taken out. So that was it was kind of interesting. But, um, you know, to me, the kicking game, the well, the field goal kicking game was off. And that was one of the things that, that Coach Elko mentioned today in the press conference. In fall ball, Charlie was 22, 22 of 23 in game situations were live and live in the scrimmage in fall camp. So he was hoping it was just a one-night mistake. And to be honest with you, one of the – the second one, I think the one at the end of the half, It was a high snap, but still either way. So, you know, Yeah, you
3: can't you can't miss twenty nine, thirty yarders. I don't care what what a snap looks like.
5: No, I'm with you there. But yeah, just you know, that was the only thing to me that kind of stood out. But again, it is first time for everybody playing this season. So and who knows? Yeah, to be honest with you, if we have to have Charlie come in to kick a game winning field goal, I'm fine with it right now. I don't have a problem with it. Because I know what he's done in the past, and you know, I think he'll do okay. I think he'll be fine.
4: I had one more quick thing. It was like there was a few too many false starts. Um, least, yeah, but I think we can kind of chalk that up to the new. He got a new offense, new new system, new everything, new QB, and I think it. I mean, if I recall, I think they were mostly all in the first half, weren't they? And in the second half, it was was not many penalties at all. So, I think they definitely got better throughout the game. But I just wanted to throw that out there.
2: Well, and and you're right. I wonder what that halftime speech was from Coach Elko because it seemed like they were more efficient in the second half. I mean, the biggest thing that stood out to me, uh, one was some marks that we set, but the other thing is our defense. My goodness. I mean, what a way to start Mm. the Mike Elko era with shutting out an FBS school in your home opener, first game. Uh, you know, Dwayne Carter, Jamie on Franklin, they combined for a, a sack. It was the only sack, but still, they got to the quarterback, something we didn't see that much last year. Cam Dillon, graduate student, forced his third career fumble. Fumbles, we didn't see that much last year. So winning the turnover battle yes. is something that we've got to do, and, and Coach Oko was very adamant about that in one of his press conferences. Um last week. But the fact that we held this Temple team to 179 yards total. Total. Not in the first half, not in the second half. Total. Only 65 rushing yards. I think at one point in the second quarter, they had negative five rushing yards. Mm-hmm. And we gave up some plays in the second half when I think the second and third string were in. But still, that is something right there, fellas. That this is a a defense that we haven't seen in probably what six seven years thir- the 12 or 13 team or a performance like that so kudos to our defense and i really hope they bring that same intensity and energy this weekend to northwestern jamie you want to say something
4: yeah i've heard uh like some i even read it somewhere i don't i don't, I don't know where it was probably on twitter probably from some some hater from carolina or something but uh <laughs> they're like you know, it's only Temple. You know, they, it's only Temple. But look, last year, Charlotte did what they wanted to against us. Mm-hmm. Like yep, it's a sure. it's a major change in scheme, and you can see it. And Coach Elko has affected the defense as basically as soon as he walked through the door, and it was great to see. And they just shut Temple out with relative ease.
2: Well, before we move on to this week's game against Northwestern, like I said, there's a couple of things I just wanted to make sure Duke fans heard. If they were not at the game or they did not see the game this past Friday night because it was Labor Day weekend, first things first. First time they've shut out an opponent since 2015, and that was FCS opponent, North Carolina Central. First time they have shut out an ACC opponent since the scoreboard game, 1989, UNC 41 nothing. First time they've shut out an ACC opponent I'm sorry, my apologies. They're not in the ACC, Temple's not. (laughs) First time they've shut out an FBS opponent at home since 1978 against Wake Forest. That was three to nothing that Duke won there. And Duke totaled 500 yards of offense this past weekend. And it was the second consecutive season opener in which they did that. And here's something, fellas, that I found very interesting and no one really mentioned it, but it's something to keep in mind as we head into Saturday's game. Since the start, of the 2017 season, Duke is 11 and one when they score a touchdown on its opening drive. Hmm. 11 and one.
3: So yes. something
2: something to consider as we head up to Ryan Field in uh, and, Illinois.
3: And as we as we close this segment and transition, as we kind of look forward now. But before we do, I mean, listen, this is Mike Elko's first win as a head coach, and like he will never forget this past Friday night. And uh, and so Duke fans, it's a new era. I hope you have. I hope you have seen it. I hope you felt it. If you were at the game Friday night, I hope you watched those guys and you saw a different brand of football than what you've expected over the last couple of seasons. And if there's ever a time to hop on board, now is the time. Students, shout out students. You guys killed it. Not shout out everyone else. It was a little spotty. I know it was Friday night. I know it was Labor Day weekend. Uh, but shout out to the students, uh, for coming out and supporting, uh, your fellow, uh, your fellow students there, student athletes, and so really cool moment I thought on Friday night for that to happen.
2: Almost, almost twenty one thousand fans. They they had the attendance twenty thousand seven hundred and twenty two. Yeah. How much can Wallace Wade hold again? Remind Four, me, fellas. right at forty. Right at forty. So we were halfway there. And again, after two years of what we went through, it's going to take a little bit to get some folks bought back in to come yep. into coming to the game. And luckily, we have a, this weekend off. We have an away game, I mean. Um, so hopefully in the coming weeks, uh, North Carolina AT, the week after next, and then Virginia, ACC home opener to start the month of October. Well, we are going to move on, guys, to our next op- opponent, and it could be a good one, this Saturday, 12 noon, in Evanston, Illinois, against the Northwestern Wildcats. And Jamie actually had a chance to sit down with Dave in it play-by-play guy for the Northwestern Wildcats to get his thoughts on this weekend's game.
4: We're joined now by Dave a play-by-play announcer for the Northwestern Wildcats. Dave will be on the call for this Saturday's home opener for Northwestern against Duke at Ryan Field. Dave, thanks for coming back onto the Section 17 podcast. Thank you, Jamie. Good to be with you. All right, getting started here. How big
1: was the win against Nebraska a week and a half ago? Well, I think it was it was huge for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, a three and nine record last year, which yeah, you know, it's a good way to, to start to erase memories of that. And then probably their low point of the season was a loss to Nebraska in Lincoln, uh, fifty six to seven. And I'm sure you guys know all the the uh, tough losses that Nebraska had last year. That was not one of them. And uh, I think that one. Uh, was especially painful for Northwestern because they got they got behind big early and and were never really in the game and so I think that they really wanted to to kind of I I, I don't know if it's so much send a message but they really wanted to delete uh, press the delete button on last season and what better way to start than uh, playing a game in Ireland against a team in your division and uh, a team that a lot of people are touting as an improved team, maybe on the verge of a breakthrough, and I think uh, certainly with a lot of new faces on on Nebraska, and including a new quarterback, a transfer quarterback from Texas, and uh, and they they're good. They got they got a lot of talent on the team, but I think uh, Northwestern was determined to show that they were uh, they were out to to make twenty twenty two a much different season than they had a year ago. What were the benefits
4: and drawbacks, if any, of playing the first game of the year overseas in Ireland?
1: Well, normally I would say the drawback would be giving up a home game because this was a a Northwestern home game. But they had so many fans go over there that, uh, you know, at times it really felt like uh, a a home game, despite the fact there were a lot of Nebraska fans there. I think that the fans who did make the trip really got into it Uh, And I think the the benefit obviously was uh, just giving these kids the experience of playing in a really unique environment in a rugby stadium in Dublin, Ireland. And I know Pat Fitzgerald asked his guys beforehand, how many of you have been out of the country and, uh, or, or have never been out of the country. I think 70 players said they had never left the United States. So this was a whole new experience for a lot of them. And, I think they thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it felt kind of like a, a bowl game at times, but also much different because uh, it was at the beginning of the season, a chance to kind of set the tone for the year. I mean, the drawbacks potentially, I, I guess if, you know, you could have had to deal with uh, jet, jet lag, lack of sleep, that sort of thing. But as, as Fitz has said, they had a plan for how they were going to deal with that. Uh, They had very strict regimens as far as sleep. And apparently the players all stuck to it. They adhered to the instructions and and made sure that when they got to Dublin, I think we landed there about five o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. The game was on Saturday evening. And after they, they went to the hotel, checked in, had breakfast, had a meeting, then went over to the stadium and did kind of a light workout. For, I don't know, probably an hour, hour and a half, and got to see the place. And I think at that point, after practice, Fitz said, take a 20 minute nap, but no more than that, because if you do, you'll have trouble sleeping tonight. (laughs) And uh, apparently, I didn't hear anybody really complaining about being tired or or lack of sleep. And I I, I can't say, I I don't know that it was any different for Nebraska. They got there a day before Northwestern did. But I think that, all in all, I think it was a good experience. I think if you ask anyone who was there, from the fans to the administrators to the players to the marching band, I think they would all tell you it was a really, really cool experience, and they'd, they'd sign up to do it again. Was it was it all business for you, or did you get to do any sightseeing? Well, I got to do some sightseeing. Uh, I was fortunate to have my son with me. He works with me in the booth, so he and I got to take off and and uh, do a little hiking and did a, a bike tour of the city on Sunday. The nice thing was that the the game was on Saturday night and then Sunday was a free day. We didn't come back until Monday. So uh, that was something else that Fitz wanted to make sure that, that kids had a chance with their parents coming over. They had a chance to to see some of the sites to enjoy, because it's tough when you're preparing for a game, you don't have a lot of time to do that, but they did have a couple of event, events, for the team. One of them was at this Irish music hall where we had dinner, the entire traveling party, including the players. And they had, uh, they had Irish music and Irish dancers. And, um, and then they also had a, uh, a night where they closed up, or they had a private event, I should say at the Guinness storehouse, the Guinness headquarters, uh, where they had the entire team and all the, the alumni. And, and it was, uh, really a fun a fun thing. They got a taste, I think, of, of what it's like over there. So I think all in all, I think uh, certainly I enjoyed it. And I think the players that I talked to anyway had a really good time.
4: That's pretty cool that y'all got to do that. And now transitioning, we're looking ahead now to Saturday's game. Duke travels to Northwestern for a high noon kickoff on Fox Sports 1. We figured we would ask you a couple of fill-in-the-blank questions that will kind of help us Preview the game. Okay. All right. An area this Northwestern team will excel at on the field Saturday is?
1: Uh, special teams. I think special teams were were really strong for them. Uh, they have a new kicker, actually really two new kickers. Uh, they have a new putter. And they have a new holder. Um, the putter is a transfer from UCLA by the name of Luke Akers, uh, he's the son of David Akers, uh with whom you might be familiar and and his first punt for northwestern on on uh, the 27th uh, back in Dublin uh, was down at the one yard line so right when northwestern was down seven nothing in the game uh, their defense made a stop uh they uh they needed a stop rather they uh they get stopped but then he pins nebraska back on their own one they go three and out that that shifted things early in that game and he was kind of like that all night i mean he just he was really on target uh they have an, a transfer kicker who's hit, was just supposed to handle kickoffs for him by the name of adam stage a, a transfer he ended up kicking a field goal for him because their regular kicker uh jack olson uh got uh, dinged up i think uh pulled something in in the pregame warmups. Um, but I think that they're overall, their special teams were really good against Nebraska. I think it's an area that uh, they're going to show a lot of improvement this year. I th- they are already pretty good in certain areas. And uh, so I think that's, if you were to uh, pick one area, I think that would be one. Duke fans need to watch out for blank on Northwestern Saturday afternoon. Uh, Number 80, Donnie Navarro. He is a transfer from the University of Illinois, wide receiver. He's also returning punts for them. Uh, His first catch for Northwestern, and keep in mind, he's from the Chicago area. He played at Illinois, uh, so Northwestern's rival, right? He he transfers to Northwestern, and his first uh, pass was uh, good for a first down, I think about 15 yards, and he got absolutely – drilled on the play but he he hung on you may have seen it made a couple of outstanding catches and including one for a touchdown and i think that he's a guy who's going to make a major impact on this offense for them northwestern
4: will win saturday's game against duke if
1: well if they if they don't turn it over if you remember the game last year at wallace wade stadium they turned it over five times. And I think their quarterback threw three interceptions, uh, Hunter Johnson, who has since uh, transferred back to Clemson. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, if you look at that game, those turnovers really were, were devastating to Northwestern in the first half. They got down, what, 30 to nothing or 30 to seven, I think, and, and they came back. I mean, had, that game final score was a lot closer than that game really felt, but they were coming back in that game until uh, their backup quarterback got hurt you may remember. So I think, uh, you know, I look, they were, both these teams were turnover prone last year. I know Duke didn't turn it over at all in their first game. Northwestern had one turnover, but came up with three. And, and that's kind of been their signature over the years under Pat Fitzgerald. So I think, uh, you know, they just, they, they really didn't have any costly turnovers in the game against Nebraska. And if they can keep that up, I think they've got a great chance to win. Turnovers
4: is, Something that Coach Elko has preached throughout the off for Duke, and you got to protect the ball. Like, or else if you don't protect the ball, things just tend to snowball. Uh, Duke will win Saturday's game against Northwestern
1: if. Well, I I, I think it, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, if Northwestern uh, a is, is still back in Dublin and mentally, if they're they're still if they can't let go of the Nebraska game and, and, and realize that Duke is much improved as Northwestern is, and this is going to be a tough game for him. And I think, again, I mean, I Ryan Holinsky, the quarterback was terrific against Nebraska. I he, he was certainly, I think, uh, was, was far and away better than he was last year in the five games he played, uh, for the Wildcats. And I think, uh, you know, if he plays like that again, I think Northwestern's in really good shape. I know Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard, played really well in their opener. But I think that, uh, again, I think uh, if, if, if Northwestern comes out and turns it over or takes this game lightly, uh, then uh, I think they're going to be in for a long day. Northwestern will make it to a bowl game under Pat Fitzgerald for the 11th time if. Well, i <laughs> i they got to take care of first of all they got to take care of their non conference games and 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 play well at home because remember they gave up a home game to play it in Ireland so you're only playing six games in Evanston this year and you got to take full advantage of that including the next three weeks uh, Duke Southern Illinois which is an FCS team and then Miami of Ohio so you know if they do that they got a chance all of a sudden you're four and oh going into the big 10. And uh, I think you got a great chance to go back to a bowl game because last year was really the the anomaly for them because they've, they've gone to those 10 bowl games under fits. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the section 17 podcast.
4: Good luck with the game this Saturday and the rest of the wildcast season. You bet. Good
1: being with you, Jamie. Thanks for having me.
2: And our thanks again to Dave Innett for coming back on and joining us this year and speaking with Jamie a little bit about this weekend's upcoming Northwestern game. Well, guys, we heard from Dave. Well, let's talk a little bit about Northwestern. It seems that they have become our big 10 foe as of late in these past few years. Uh, We're either going up there or they're coming down here every other year, but just uh, to piggy off Dave's interview, what what are your guys' thoughts as we head into Saturday's game? Scott, I'll start with you because you mentioned uh, to us off, off camera that, uh, Coach Elko did talk about Northwestern a little bit.
5: Yeah, one of the things that Coach Elko referenced today was that Northwestern is extremely physical and they're experienced. They have eight starters coming back on offense, and they have three running backs that they use. So they have a committee also. Uh, He talked about how Ryan Helinski, he remembered as he came in as a freshman and how he's matured and gotten stronger and better over the last couple of years. And then one other thing that he really mentioned was about Jim O'Neill's defense, uh, talking about uh, how they're very, busy, very big and physical in the front four. So, definitely, you know, a Big Ten defense to me is an NFL-type defensive line, as far as I'm concerned, if I'm imagining that, because that's how I do it in my mind. So, you're going to see four big guys that are going to test the O-line and who knows? So that was one of the things, you know, just looking at what they have coming out. And I mean, they played well against Nebraska, but what do we know about Nebraska?
2: And I'm not outside. asking for score predictions right now, but does anyone think this could be a defensive battle this weekend? To where we're not scoring a lot. Northwestern's not scoring a lot. Maybe a nine to six game, twelve to nine. I mean, I'm not asking for score predictions again, but just does anyone um, want to hop on that train?
3: I don't, I don't know if it's going to be that severe, but I definitely I, – I don't know that we get close, approaching 30. You know All what right. I'm saying? I'm I, I don't know there. if we're going to not score a touchdown or two. But, yeah, I definitely feel like this could be a lot – there could be a lot of punting in this game, a lot of field position battle in this game. But, hey, we say that, and it could turn into a shootout. Who knows? Porter but, better uh, be stretching. Could be a 63-61 well,
4: game. I would say, I mean, <laughs> Northwestern did give up a – Quite a bit of yards to Nebraska, like it was four hundred, and it was well over four hundred. Uh, but they did get better in the second half. So, and, and Nebraska, and to to Northwestern's credit, but also Nebraska was pretty much on the struggle bus the entire second half.
3: Well, and Dave, uh, Dave spoke to it, Jamie, in your interview. Um, you're talking about playing overseas. At the end of the day, I have a hard time really gauging anything from that Northwestern-Nebraska game, uh, except for this. Nebraska turned around and played North Dakota, not North Dakota State, but North Dakota, and struggled and looked terrible. They looked terrible. And so, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm not saying that we don't need to highly, highly respect this Northwestern team, uh, but I will say if if you're trying to judge by that Nebraska competition, and then you add in the fact that you're – six hours ahead, seven hours ahead over in Europe. Like at the end of the day, that's really hard. Now, fortunately for Northwestern, uh, they were smart enough to schedule a bye week uh, in week one here. After week zero, uh, Nebraska didn't, and you could tell it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I thought something, a couple of things is interesting. Dude just released uh, they're too deep heading into this week. And it's exactly the same as last last weekend. So I that's why would interesting. you
2: change anything? Sorry, well, I mean, why would you well, change a thing after that performance on Friday night?
3: Well, I figured you would just go ahead and be honest about where Jordan Moore is in the wide wide receiver room. You know, you could do that, uh, and mm-hmm. then also we can be honest about cornerback, uh, since it was Detron Young uh, and it was not Tony Davis and Joshua Pickett, Chandler Rivers. I mean, that was the or. Uh, but let me let me mention one thing uh, that I think Duke fans can look into. If there was a struggle at all on the offensive line on Friday against Temple, it was on the right side of that line, um, and that is where Andre Harris and Chance Lytle were. Uh, but that was John Jalat. John Jalat was out uh, Friday night, did not play. He is listed in the two deep, and so uh, we don't know what that's going to look like um, heading into the game against Northwestern. Uh, but maybe with Jalat back, that'll give us a little bit more flexibility.
4: I'll tell you yeah. one thing that jumps out at me. Um... And Scott spoke to this when uh, Coach Elko said, you know, Northwestern is kind of a running back by committee team. Um, they racked up 214 yards rushing out there in Ireland. So, And they had Evan uh, – is it Evan? It is Evan, Evan Hall. yep Yep, yep. Uh, Evan Hole, 22 carries, 119 yards for a poultry 5.4 yards per carry and a touchdown. And then they also had Porter who had 19 carries for 94 yards for another 4.9 yards per carry and a touchdown. The other guys didn't, didn't get too many carries. There was, well, then there was Hilinski. He had a couple of carries, but then there was one other running back who only got one carry, but those two really jumped out on the, off the page for me. And also Hole, you know, he called another five balls for 55 yards. So he's really kind of all over the field and doing a little bit of everything. Uh, catching the ball, coming out of the backfield, making making defenders miss. He, he's he's going to be a handful.
2: Well, and, and to go back, I looked at the game notes really quick. Northwestern gave up 465 yards of offense to Nebraska. And as Josh said, Nebraska didn't look the greatest this past weekend. So, you know, again, playing a game in Dublin, Ireland, versus playing a home game in Illinois, you know, apples and oranges right now. But I will say this, fellas, we are in an even year and for all you northwestern fans i think you know where i'm going with this it seems like odd years are not kind to northwestern as of uh 2017 even years are where uh, northwestern's successful so i i mean do we have a chance of losing this game absolutely but do we also have a chance of winning this game handily 100% if anything's shown with this northwestern series in the past few years we either beat northwestern and then they go on to the big 10 title and the rose bowl or God forbid we lose to Northwestern, but then they also have a terrible season. So it is going to be a very fun game, uh, 12 noon on FS1 this upcoming weekend. But I, fellas, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I mean, I think Dave's interview with uh, Jamie was pretty spot on, and I mean, I guess we're, we're to the we're to the point now that all we can do is just prepare for Saturday.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, one little quick note. I mean, for for Duke football nerds is in the Jeremiah Lewis. Uh, He transferred uh, from Duke and is now in the secondary uh, there at Northwestern. So we had the piece to do game at Temple and uh, with Temple. And now we have the Jeremiah Lewis game uh, here in in the second week with Northwestern. But uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens this week. We'll obviously come back a little bit later on in this episode and give our score predictions and thoughts um, on, on who's going to win. Uh, but now we're moving into a new segment. We introduced it last week, um, and that is this week in Duke football history.
2: Not yet sponsored.
3: Not yet sponsored. So this week in Duke football history, Scott Medlin, take it away.
5: So on September 9, 2017, Duke would set an all-time record for the most offensive plays in a game against Northwestern, conveniently, making 104 offensive plays, and winning 41-17. Daniel Jones would throw for 305 yards and would also run for 108 yards to lead the Blue Devil offense. Mark Gilbert led the defense with two interceptions. Duke would start the season 4-0 and and would eventually go 7-6, and winning the Quick Lane Bowl at the end of the year in uh, Detroit, Michigan, where Josh was with his family. That's so that right. was this week in Duke football history.
2: I was and, in and- the house. I did not shake his hand for the Northwestern game either. That was that was on his own. That was on his own, Duke fan.
3: So that is this week in Duke football history. Shout out to Daniel Jones, starting quarterback for the New York Giants. This is his year. We're believers in Daniel and uh, in his pro career uh, for sure. Uh, moving on to one of our favorite segments. Um, and we used to be able to say that this was not yet sponsored. Uh, but the tell the tape is coming up. And it is sponsored by our friends at Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Let's hear a word from our sponsors.
2: Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And our thanks again to Comfort Mechanical Contractors who came on to sponsor the Tell of the Tape this year. And before we get into the Tell of the Tape, I'm just going to throw a little teaser. Josh has got a big announcement coming after the Tell of the Tape on the Northwestern Wildcats. So please do not press pause or stop cuz you're going to want to hear this announcement. Okay, Northwestern Wildcats out of the Big 10 conference. Last year Northwestern went 3 and 9 and did not make a bowl game. Currently they are 1 and 0 and as we stated earlier in the episode they defeated Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland, 31-28. Head coach Pat Fitzgerald is in his 17th season with the Wildcats and has a 110-90 overall record in his 5-5 in bowl games. Now, this is the 22nd matchup all-time between Duke and Northwestern, and last year, Duke defeated Northwestern in Durham in Wallace Wade, 30-23. The first ever meeting between Duke and Northwestern was in 1985 at Wallace Wade Stadium, where Duke won 40 to 17. Northwestern is four and six all time against Duke when they play the Blue Devils at home at Ryan Field. And Duke is currently on a three game winning streak in the series against Northwestern, having won the last three matchups, 41-17 in 2017, 21 to seven in 2018, and 30 to 23 last year in 2021. And now it's time for Did You Know? Northwestern only has one official color, royal purple. This has been the case since 1892, despite the fact that with the passage of time, tradition has firmly established white as a de facto official color. Had it not been for the fact that black and gold had been adopted by other universities, the school could have a completely different look today. The decision to scrap black and gold as Northwestern's colors was made more than 100 years ago in 1879. In the fall of 1879, following the lead of many Eastern universities, A committee chose black and gold as Northwestern's official colors, since its membership was unable to agree upon a single color. Shortly thereafter, it was discovered that other schools had chosen the same colors, and the Northwestern committee met again quickly and selected purple and gold instead. Northwestern teams went forward under purple and gold banners until 1892 when another university committee, God, that's a lot of university committees, reduced the official color to just royal purple.
3: Sounds like a Baptist church in the South.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, this was following the custom at the time of having one official color, which was adopted at various prestigious Eastern universities. Boy, they are following Eastern universities guidelines. Gold continued to be used with purple on academic regalia. But sometime shortly after 1892, white became the university's second and unofficial color and has been ever since. And that was the tale of the tape for the Northwestern Wildcats brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors.
3: Man, we want to thank our friends at Comfort Mechanical Contractors. And just uh, this past week, I was able to spend some time with Jamie, uh, who's our contact over there, and he gave us some incredible news. They are going to be sponsoring a giveaway for the Duke-North Carolina A&T football game that is coming up on Saturday, September the 17th, that is not this coming weekend. Obviously, we're at Northwestern, but it is the following Saturday, back home at Wallace Wade, 6 p.m. start time, Saturday, September the 17th. And here's what we've got. We have four tickets for you, free tickets for one of our listeners. Now, they're not just tickets, are they, guys? No.
2: What kind of tickets are they, Josh? Well,
3: listen, Section (laughs) 17 tickets are incredibly, incredibly uh, rare uh, and hard to find. That general admission Section 17 ticket. So it's obviously not Section 17 general admission tickets. Nope. Thanks to our friends at Comfort Mechanical, we have four tickets to give away in the Blue Devil Tower to one of our listeners. Now, guys, We've done the Blue Devil Tower a couple of years ago, and it's all-you-can-eat food all over the place. It's all-you-can-drink, non-alcoholic beverages. You can buy your own uh, there, but it's free uh, food and all-you-can-drink, all-you-can-eat. Now, I've heard this year that the two ends, one end on the other end, they had the same food in the past. Now, it's like two completely different styles of food. So, legitimately, there's more options Listen, you're up there in the nicest part of the football complex. You're hobnobbing with some big donors up there. It's an incredible time. If the game gets out of hand, there are multiple, multiple screens showing everything on TV that night. You can hang out. You can eat. You can have a lot of fun. And so you are going to get a chance if you listen to this podcast. You are going to get a chance to win. You've got to follow us on Twitter or join our Facebook group. You can find our Facebook group by just searching Duke Football Talk. You can follow us on Twitter at Duke FB Talk, And we're going to give you a questionnaire, a survey to fill out about some unique things about Brian Kennedy. And there are a lot. Uh, Jamie Holt, Scott Medlin, and myself. These are things that we have mentioned at some point in time on the podcast. You have to get them all right. If only one person gets them all right, you win by default. If more than one person gets them all right, we'll take all those that got them right and we will put you in a drawing and we will draw the winner. Now, here's the thing. Please don't enter the the drawing if you cannot make it to that game. For instance, if you live out of state, you know you're not going to be able to be there. Please don't enter. It's just going to make it easier for us. If you're local and you know you're going to be out of town that weekend or you're not going to be able to use them, these tickets are valued at one hundred and forty five dollars each. So one hundred and forty five dollars. A piece. So, if you can do us a favor and only enter if you can actually use the tickets if you win,
2: that's that's like five seasons worth of uh, section seventeen season tickets, right?
3: Yeah, you that's know, uh, our sponsors have a little bit of a better view, uh, a little bit better experience, maybe at, at all the home games than we do. You know, but yeah. hey, shout out to those guys.
2: And if you're listening to this, that means it's Wednesday because again, we're dropping the episode Wednesday morning. The contest will start the same day, so we will have it up. We will have the links. It will go until probably Sunday because we want to have enough time to get through all the answers, pick a winner, contact them. One, make sure that they can make it to where if they can't, then we would go to the next person that's eligible. So to Josh's point, this is something you don't want to miss, one, because it's tower tickets, but two, it's going to be Human Being Day at Wallace Wade Stadium.
3: Yeah, you it's don't want to be to get.
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough to get food and tough to get in a good seat.
4: They yeah. always run out of food. They always run out of food.
3: Every that's a pro tip, yeah. by the way. If you're coming, if you're coming to the game of at it's the Duke. Uh, we call it Human Being Day, but it's the Duke uh, Employee Day, where they give employees tickets and they give you free food. And that food is usually out by the first quarter, and it's it's a madhouse. And so you will get to skip all that, and you will get to sit up in that tower. And so, uh, what an awesome opportunity! We are so thankful once again to our sponsors uh, for helping us.
2: And Out. who knows, there could be more giveaways in the future.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. Hey, listen, if we keep this podcast rolling, if we keep our sponsors happy, they're going to keep us happy. And it's a beautiful partnership as we move forward. But now it's, the, it's that time, guys. We've come towards the conclusion somewhat of this episode. Uh, we've talked about Northwestern. We've given our thoughts on the game. And so now we need to know, Brian, Scott, Jamie, we need to know. Who's going to win this Saturday? What's the score going to be this Saturday? And what uniform combo are we wearing this Saturday?
5: Well, I think yeah, um, Scott
2: should go first.
5: Yeah, let, let me go ahead and go first. Since last week I um picked the combo to a T, just a beautiful look. As soon as I saw that, so excited. I may not get anything else right the rest of the season, but I at least picked the first uniform reveal correctly. That being said, we're on the road. I'm going icy whites.
1: Uh,
5: my, my one fear, my one problem is the helmet. But I'm going to go icy white with the helmet, and I'm going to go with the same D we had on it last Friday. And as far as the score, um, you know, a little while ago, I mentioned that we may need Charlie Ham. For a late game winner, and that's my fear. No, not my fear. That's my uh, prediction here. <laughs> not fear prediction. It might Sorry. be your
3: fear. Let's be honest. <laughs> might be your fear
2: halfway through the game. Well,
5: this is true, but I'm going to go with Duke twenty-four, Northwestern twenty-one. I do believe that they're going to go back and forth, and it'd be a great. I do believe it's going to be a game where Porter Wilson's mustache and leg are going to be very involved stretch and i'm hoping and praying that we pin them down many times inside the 20
2: yard line so they can't move the ball much so you said 24-21 right yes okay i'm kind of glad i went second because the over under is 54 points so you're about what 9-10 points which by the way we did not cover we did
5: we did not cover the over under we, last we week we did yeah right we covered the spread the spread right now is 10 Northwestern.
2: Yeah, a buddy of mine in Charlotte was very happy that I told him to take the under because I believe he uh, gambled on the game and won. But, all right, well, since I'm uh, talking, I'll go next. I love the combos for Northwestern. You you wouldn't think that a purple jersey and purple helmet would look spot on, but they also have a blackout uniform as well. I don't think they're going to rock the blackouts against us. I, I think they save those for pivotal Big Ten games. I'm looking at their Twitter handle right now, and they've got uh, four players sitting next to each other, thinking all the combinations that they're going to do this year. I see them going purple, purple, white. I know we're not predicting Northwestern, but I'm just just—I'm going through my mindset here. I don't see us going all whites. I think we're going to go white, white with a blue bottom because they're going to have the white bottoms on. I think they they're, they're going to keep the D they're not going to bring out the Hellraiser for the Northwestern game. I have a feeling they're saving that for October 15th against a certain opponent. As far as the score goes, Northwestern is still a nine and a half point favorite. I don't care about that because I predicted Duke to beat Northwestern in the predictions episode. I got to keep Duke winning. Now that I know that Northwestern gave up 465 yards to a Nebraska team who is not looking stout. If Riley Leonard starts this game, the way he started the Temple game, we could be off and running to the races against Northwestern. I'm going to go Duke 28, and I'm going to go Northwestern 24. I think they're going to score a couple of late touchdowns that won't really matter, and the score is going to be closer than what the actual game's going to say. So 28-24, I am still under, but only by two points. As long as we don't give up 61. Yes. <laughs> all right,
3: who's next? Speaking, I'll go speaking ahead. Of, uh, go ahead, Jamie. I was going to say, Scott, you mentioned – speaking of, of kickers, man, uh, boy, were those were those other two in-state games not incredible, but uh, thinking about NC State and ECU, you'd hate to be that kicker. So, shout out to all the college kickers out there.
4: <laughs> yes. Go ahead, Jamie. Hashtag college kickers. Yep. As far as the uniform combo I- – I know I went. I went icy whites last week because I thought maybe they might want to make a splash on Friday night on a on a national televised game. But I think this week I'll go white helmet, blue D, white jersey. I think I'll go black pants because I'm with Brian. I think I think Northwestern will wear like purple tops and white pants.
2: So Still one of the worst combinations ever. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: So they're gonna make Brian mad and go. White helmet, blue D, white jersey, black pants. Um, And my score prediction was kind of back and forth on this. I know I'm picking Duke to win just because I obviously in the predictions episode, I picked Duke to sweep the non-con. So (laughs) Um, I'm going to go, I'm really close to Scott here, but this is the one that just came into my mind. I'm going to go 24, Duke 24, Northwestern 20. I think it'll be a really tight game. I think it'll be really close throughout. And we'll <laughs> <that's right.
1: laughs>
4: I think we might need a late touchdown, late touchdown heroics from Riley and, and Jordan Moore to give us the win.
3: I I love how I love how we're only in week two and we are all giving our jersey combination predictions before the score. Like we're already we're already putting more value on the uniform combos than we are the actual. Hey,
2: welcome, combo. you guys. I'm glad okay. you can finally join me on this journey.
3: <laughs> well, let me, let me, I'll stay on that then. Uh, I'm going icy whites and I'm going Hellraisers. And I just feel like, um, I'm just putting my confidence in the fact that Elkos, after he sees those Hellraisers out there, they just become like the standard uniform for Duke. And so that's my, that's my icy white Hellraiser. Uh, icy white. Uh, bottoms, tops, and lids. So you know,
2: are, are I, we are we retiring the script? Because I don't think we n- none of us have retired or uh, have mentioned the script these first two weeks. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That was yep. all last
1: year.
3: Yeah, I I think I uh, you know in an effort by Coach Mike Elko to move forward with Duke football, yeah. I believe that possibly well, the things. Okay, Duke fans, Duke gang. No longer a thing. Everything Duke gang is gone from everywhere. Duke football. They gave away all the merchandise. Duke gang is no longer. It's all bleed blue and grind. So Duke gang is over. If you noticed most of the videos leading up, there were a couple during the game where they showed some of last year's and previous year's stuff. But for the majority, they were just showing videos from a spring and fall camp. So this, this we're really trying to move forward. I feel like uh, in a new phase and era of Duke football. So I believe the script Uh, might be on its way out. So I'm going to go that Hellraiser. But that doesn't matter because all that matters is the score of the game. And I have to stick around you guys. I'm going Duke to win because I have us winning, uh, I believe, three out of the four non-conference games. And I had picked Northwestern as a win. So I have Duke winning 27 to 20. 27 to 20. Uh, Duke, and I don't so we, know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen.
2: So we all took the under, so that means it's going to be like UNC App State. It's going to be like a fifty-five to fifty game. Hey, bring
3: it! Yeah. that'll be fun. Bring it that. on! But
2: that—that that oh, is great. great. Well, well, look, it's been a, another great episode, guys. I've really enjoyed. It. Oh, wait, Scott.
5: Hey, uh, did we did we mention who won the predictions last week?
2: No, we did not. Thank you, Scott. I really appreciate Ooh,
3: that. Scott with a save.
2: Man, there was going to be some upset folks. So yeah. Listen, no one picked Duke to shut out Temple. None of us did. No one did. So we had to go with the closest possible score. But we do have two winners. On Twitter, we have Grind, G R I N D, at asymmetric, A C Y metric. He predicted Duke to win 34 to 7. So he was only off by what? 11 points total. So kudos mm-hmm. to him. And then on Facebook, Tyler Witt predicted Duke to win 34 to 10. So Tyler Witt and Asymmetric at Asymmetric Grind on Twitter, you both have won a blee blue shirt. So you can either message us on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know so we can either A, drop off the shirt to you, or B, ship the shirt out to you if you live out of state. So again, congratulations, and we will be putting a post out uh, probably Wednesday as well Mm -hmm. to give your predictions. And if you are closest on either Facebook or Twitter, you can't win both you yourself will win a Blee Blue shirt, which was on national TV Friday night if you were watching the game. Yeah, shout out
3: out to everybody wearing those things. That was really, really cool. It was really, really cool. Before Brian takes us out of here, I do want to encourage you, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen, if they allow you to give a rating and review, we'd like to ask uh, so kindly for you to give us a five-star rating and review. It helps uh, get our podcast out there and more exposure. And so many of you have done that and we just want to thank you uh, so much for doing it. If you would, uh, if you haven't yet do that for us, that would be awesome. Brian, take us out of here, man.
2: Can we close down shop now? Let's go ahead and do it again. It's been a great episode. Really looking forward again, Northwestern and Duke 12 o'clock on Fox sports one. Hopefully we will be having another episode next week talking about another Duke victory, but For Josh Cox, Jamie Holt, Scott Medlin, and our producer, Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast.